0: name that we'd ask these things. Amen. Amen. I wonder if we could turn over in our Bibles to the uh, Psalm 133, uh, this evening, the Psalm 133, and we'll read from verse 1 of the Psalm Psalm 133 and begin our reading at uh, the first verse. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments, as the Jew of Hermon and as the Jew that descended from the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Amen. We know the Lord will add his blessing to the reading of his precious word to our hearts for his name's sake. Now, you'll notice that this psalm starts off with the word, Behold, and this is something that God wants us to take note of. Charles Spurgeon comments helpfully on the, in his Treasury of David on the word behold, and he says, It's a wonder seldom seen, therefore behold it. It may seem be, be seen, for it is the characteristic of real scenes. Therefore fail not to inspect it. It is well worth of worthy of admiration. Pause and gaze upon it. It will charm you into imitation. Therefore note it well. God looks on with approval. Therefore consider it with attention. Now, what are we to behold? Well, you'll notice that God wants us to behold the unity of the brethren. He speaks here about the uh, blessing that brethren are dwelling together in unity. And you'll notice that it is a unity of brethren, first of all. It is uh, 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 something that we read about in the rest of Scripture, it's not just a unity of everyone. It's not just a unity no matter what we believe or where we stand. As far as God is concerned, this is a unity of brethren. And again, we think of the high priestly prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I pray for them his people. I pray not for the world. And then he goes on to pray for unity. So this is not a pagan unity or it's not a unity of anybody and everybody, but it is a a unity of brethren. But I want you to see that God calls this unity something that is good and pleasant. And I want you to see that what it is is not a unity without God. We uh, recognize here that these brethren are those that are in the family of God. Now, we think of the modern ecumenical movement and that is a unity without God. And we think maybe you've heard about the Presbyterian Church of Scotland and how they have just uh, signed what they called the St. Agre- Margaret's Agreement. And it is that the two churches will recognize they call themselves brethren in the churches. And it was officially signed on the 16th of November there, just a week or so ago. You think of John Knox and how he stood for the Word of God, for the primacy of the Word of God, and stood against all of the doctrines that Rome has imposed and brought in and the corruption that has been seen. Now the Church of Scotland is moving to acknowledge them as brethren. Uh, But that's A unity without God is a unity uh, that is going against what God has said in his word. Not only can you have a unity without God, but you can have a unity against God. You think of the uh, plain of Shinar in the book of Genesis chapter 11, and how men came together in rebellion against God. And they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven and let us make let us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth. And there was that rebellion there against God, and how God cursed man then and uh, divided man with the different languages. And th- this was a unity against God, and we have still that anti-Christian spirit in the world today. But the unity that is highlighted here in Psalm 133, is the unity that is spoken of in Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3, where Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavouring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Now, what we're talking about is the unity of the Spirit. We're talking about a true spiritual union that is founded and is integrated with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that unity is something that is called good and pleasant in this portion of Scripture. What a blessed thing it is when God's true people have that unity one with another. And I want us just to think about true Christian unity as it is spoken of, or true godly unity as it is spoken of in this portion of Scripture. And first of all, you notice the beauty of the unity. Look at verse 1. He says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Now, I think that there is some reference there to communal unity. The uh, word there. It speaks, the word dwell is a word that has the thought of sitting and sharing. And the thought here is of brethren of a family sitting and sharing together. Dr. Stephen Alford explains, he said, the clause for brethren to dwell together in unity has a fairly close parallel in Deuteronomy chapter 25 and verse 5, where it ex- refers to an extended family living at close quarters and some therefore have seen that there is some reference in this uh, psalm to family unity and community unity and of course that is something that needs there needs to be we live in a day when there's never been such division you think of america and the division we're told in america has never been greater than it is today. There's political disunity. And we think about how there are reports and people are uh, saying that there's a danger of civil war. Breaking out, such are the divisions. But the divisions in the United Kingdom aren't much uh, better. We think of the divisions over Brexit, and that really hasn't healed. And in the universities, there is that divisive, uh, thought, this new social doctrine, the political correctness that has come in, and it is dividing people. And we think of the pressures upon families and the break-up of families and all of the rest of it. And there is that breakdown of the institutions that God has given. And we need to get back that kind of unity, that family unity, that communal unity that the scriptures would advocate But not only is there communal unity, there is church unity. And I'm using the word church there in the broadest sense of the people of God. God certainly wants unity among his own blood-bought people. In John chapter 17, in his great high priestly prayer, the Lord prayed for those whom he had saved out of the world. And he said that that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And that's something that we should take seriously. There should be, there should not be as many divisions amongst God's people as there are. You think, particularly I'm told in parts of America, where there are roads, where there are umpteen different churches, and they've all been formed from splits, of the different denominations, one splits and another splits, and then the split splits, and so there are umpteen churches along the road, there's half a dozen churches. Well, that should not be, that should not be. Uh, God prayed, and the Lord prayed in this prayer, that his people may be one. And you think about the book of Acts, and there's a description of the early church, and there is a remarkable unity among them, if you look in uh, Acts chapter 2, and if you look at verses 42 to 47, you read about the early church and the way that they were. And it says there, uh, "...and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers, and fear came upon every soul." And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And then speaks about them being continually uh, daily in the temple. And there is that sense of the people of God, the church of Christ being together. What a beautiful picture of unity we have there in the book of Acts. And here is the echo of it in Psalm 133. He says, behold, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. We are part of the family of God. Now, in a family, there are fights from time to time. There are arguments. You think of Cain and Abel, and you think of Joseph and his brothers and all the rest of it. I don't know about your family, but certainly in my family, There used to be fights when my parents would go out. There uh, almost invariably was a fight that went on and uh, there was uh, all sorts of uh, fisticuffs that took place. But we were still family. Dare anybody say anything? And there's that love within the... There are disagreements at times. There are times when it seems as if uh, the disagreements or things that will overcome us But there ought to be within every child of God that love and that uh, care that we have, that compassion that we should have for one another. And this here is the unity that the Lord Jesus Christ wants. It's a unity of his people. But not only do I want you to see the communal unity and the church unity, but I want you to think about the captivating unity because... You'll notice that living together here in unity is described as good and pleasant. And he says, behold this, behold this beautiful thing. And you'll notice that living together in unity is uh, both good and pleasant. The word good there in the verse means excellent. It means agreeable. It means beneficial. Uh, In other words, it's good in God's sight. And then the word uh, translated pleasant just means beautiful or sweet or lovely. In other words, in God's sight, these things are something that we have to desire. And we, I, 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 we uh, think of that beauty that is upon a church, that attractiveness that is on the uh, church of God when God's people are pulling in the one direction. There's nothing as off put into the world and to the unsaved out there as any thought that there's disunity or there's disagreements amongst the people of God. And when uh, the world looks at a, a split church, they, they, they run a mile. They run a mile from the Word of God anyway. But my, when uh, the, uh, there is disunity in the church, th- then that just stymies the going forward of the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But unity is pleasant. There's a sweet aroma that arises from a body of people who are united together. And so we see the necessity of this unity. He says it's good, it's pleasant for brethren to dwell together in unity. And I hope that when in our hearts there is that desire and we are working to make sure that there is that unity that we have with our brethren and with our sisters. Don't let anything uh, disrupt that unity or come in or force itself in. We need to guard the unity of the people of God. But not only do I want you to see in the psalm, it says something of the beauty of unity, but I also want you to see the blueprint for unity, now, he says that this is good and pleasant, this unity, but I want you to see how he illustrates it here. He illustrates it in two ways. He illustrates it first that it's like the ointment that was put upon Aaron the high priest. He says it's like that ointment that was used for the anointing of the high priest. And then he says it's like the Jew, the Jew that came down upon Mount Hermon are also the dew that fell upon Mount Zion. And there is a wonderful picture here, and we get something of a blueprint for, the, uh, for unity and for the blessing of God as we think about what these uh, pictures that he gives. Now look at the components of God's blessing. First of all, you'll see that living together in unity is uh, like the ointment upon Aaron's head. Look at verse 2. It says, it is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, and went down to the skirts of his garments. Now, ointment here is anointing oil. And it was a valued commodity in those days. Uh, It was uh, something that was used for cooking. It was used for fuel. It was used for moisturizing. It was used as part of the anointing oil of the high priest. And you'll notice that he says that it's like this anointing oil that would bring refreshment it would bring uh, it would uh, bring power it would bring light and he says it's like this ointment this anointing oil but he doesn't just say well it's like anointing oil but he says that it is precious precious ointment and the word translated precious is the exact same word as the word translated good there at the start of the verse, and here he is, and, and this is a picture of hospitality. They would often in those days use ointment or the oil when somebody came in as a guest in our day, we would give them a cup of tea in that day, they would give them ointment to uh, take off the dust and take off the uh, the, uh, the, the, clingy, the 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 things that would cling to them as they went about their daily business, the dirt and the dust of the road, and they would take that, and the, uh, uh, the heat and the sweat, and they would take the oil, and they would use it to refresh themselves. And we think of how in Psalm 23, he says, thou anointest my head with oil. This is the thought here. So this is precious oil, and this is oil that is upon the head, and he says it runs down. So it's not stingy. It's abundant. This is what God has given, this oil of unity, this oil of blessing, and it runs down. It's, a, it's abundant. But wait, there's more because you'll notice that it is the ointment that is put upon Aaron's head. And Aaron is the high priest. And if you look in Exodus chapter 30, you will find that this was special oil, this anointing oil that was used for uh, anointing the high priest. It was composed of uh, myrrh and cinnamon and cassia. And there was a special recipe for this oil. And so this is special oil. This oil, this ointment that was put upon Aaron was special oil. And we think of how the unity of God's people then is special. It, It is blessed. And there's something about the unity of God's people that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, it's abundant, it's, it's refreshing, it's blessed when we come together in unity and we think about the oil. But then look at the Jew. Now, the oil in the Bible is often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. When the high priest was anointed with oil, it was speaking about anointing with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the Jew, and the Jew also speaks about the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 3. He says, "As the Jew of Hermon, and as the Jew that descend upon the mountains of Zion." Now, Jew, of course, was very important in those days. Now, Mount Hermon is just on the borders of Lebanon. It's about nine thousand feet high, and it was the only mountain in the Holy Land that would be covered in snow in the winter time. And the rain would fall there. Hermon was green where other places were not green. And the dew would come upon Hermon. And the rain would fall upon Hermon. And then it would flow from Mount Hermon. And it was the source of the Jordan. And the Jordan would full flow through the land. And it would give fertility to the land. And how important the dew was. But it's not only just, if you look at the verse, it's not just the dew... Upon Mount Hermon, but if you look, it says, "As the dew of Hermon, and as the dew that ascended upon the mountains of Zion." Now, Zion is Jerusalem, as we've been seeing. Now, the uh, Mount Zion is not like Hermon; it's just another hill amongst all of the hills that surround Jerusalem, and uh, Zion is in the south, and it's a dry place. It's on the borders of a desert, really. And so, when the dew, if the dew was to fall upon Mount Zion, that would be a very special thing. But you'll see here that it speaks about the dew upon Hermon in the north and the Jew upon Zion in the south. And it's going to cover the whole land with the blessing of God. And again, it's speaking about the Holy Spirit. So, we see something here of the... um, components of the blessing. It speaks about the oil, the ointment, and the dew. But then I want you to look at the course of the blessing. You'll notice that both the ointment and the dew are uh, liquids, and it speaks about them here. In verse 2, it speaks about the ointment running down, and then it speaks about the dew in verse 3, descending upon the mountains and we think of how it ran it runs and there is a picture here of descending the the blessing of the dew or the blessing of the oil it uh, first of all starts from above first of all you take the ointment above the head of the high priest and you pour the ointment upon the head of the high priest and it runs down the dew comes from heaven, and it comes down from above, and then it runs down from the mountain. And you think about that blessing. We're thinking about the dew and the oil as the Holy Spirit. Where does the blessing of the Holy Spirit uh, start? It starts above. starts in heaven. We read in Ephesians 5 how Christ is the head of the church. And then it says, We are the members of the body. And Christ is the head, and unity is founded in him. Blessing is found in him. We recognize that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We need the Holy Spirit to come down. We need the Holy Spirit to Uh, to uh, descend upon us as we seek to worship him. So it starts from above, but then it streams to the place of need. Look at what it says in verse 2 about the ointment. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. So this ointment, it's abundant and it runs down, but you notice where it runs down. It runs uh, from his head. It ran down his beard and ran down right to the very skirts of his garment. So it covers him all from head to toe. And again, you think about the Jew. And the Jew on Mount Hermon would run down and it would go to uh, the Jordan and then it would run down the whole length of the the land. And so this uh, blessing, this uh, power of God, it starts from above it runs down and stretches, goes down the whole of the high priest it goes down the whole of the land and isn't that what we need we need God's blessing to go right to the very place of need and to be in the whole, but then not only does it start above and stream to the place of need, but it spreads over the whole now the thing about um, Aaron here is that when it ran down upon the beard of Aaron, the the ointment, then we think about the breastplate of um, Aaron, uh, the high priest, and he had the stones, the twelve stones, that spoke of the tribes of Israel, or the whole of the people of God. And the uh, oil would run down, and would run then over the breastplate, and would run over these stones that spoke of the people of God, and you think about the Jew then it comes down to Zion, it goes from Hermon, it goes to Zion, and the place that's where God's people met together. That's where they were going when they were singing this song. They were going to Zion, they were going to Jerusalem. And so here is a blessing that rests upon all. It goes to all the people of God and it goes to all of the country. As it runs as the Jew runs down. And carries itself throughout the whole country. Now we think about the work of the Holy Spirit. And the work of revival. And how it comes down from above. And then it runs. It runs from the very center. You think of all of the revivals that have taken place. Think of Pentecost as an example. How the Holy Spirit descended from above. And then... It uh, began to run out and began to affect other people and began then to go through the whole of the land. How do we need God's blessing like that, and you'll notice it's associated with the unity of god's people, and it's often been said that the unity of god's people goes before revival blessing it doesn't it isn't caused the cause of revival blessing only God can send revival. But one of the marks that revival is coming is when God's people begin to unite together and pray for the revival. So we see something here of the beauty of this unity, and then we see something of the blueprint of this unity. But then I want you to see the blessing of the unity. And there are a number of blessings here. indicated. Look at verse 3. He says, As the Jew of Hermon, And as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. And there are a a number of blessings here. There's the blessing of invigoration. Both the ointment and the dew are invigorating. Um, We said that the ointment there, the oil was very often used in those days as a means when people came in that they were refreshed uh, from the Uh, the uh, walk that they had done from the burden and heat of the day, the oil was used for refreshing. And of course, the dew is refreshing. And we think of our Christian fellowship and how it refreshes us. And at least the church energized. When God, the Holy Spirit, comes, and when he comes as the dew and as the oil, he refreshes, he invigorates, he gives strength to the people of God. And Zion and Hermon are united together. And the Jew here uh, speaks of the image of the church, and it is the unity of great and small, rich and poor, north and south here. All are brought together in this great unity. And we read in Galatians 3 and 22, or 28, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. So there is invigoration. But then there is the blessing of intimacy. What a wonderful thing. What fellowship, what blessing there is when we get together. Paul says in Ephesians 4 and 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And we think of that peace that comes as we come together together. And the special place where God guarantees the blessing is this place of peace and this place of unity. Uh, That's why Paul can say in Romans 15, verses 5 and 6, now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when we, with one mind and one heart, uh, glorify one mouth, glorify the Lord, there is that power. But there is that uh, blessing, too. What a wonderful thing it is when God's people have that unity one with another. There's, so there's the blessing of invigoration. There's the blessing of intimacy. But there's one more blessing. There's, uh, at least there's the blessing of vindication because there's the indication here of future blessing of heaven. Uh, If you look at uh, verse 33 or verse 3 there, he says, for there, the end of the verse, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So here is eternal life. And this Christian fellowship that we have where there is unity, where God's people are met together, where there is peace, where there's blessing, where there's refreshing, that's an indication, and that's a foretaste of heaven itself. So God's blessing gives life, gives peace. It uh, gives an indication of the blessings that are yet to come. So what do we discover in Psalm 133? Well, we discover that living together in unity is pleasant. It's appropriate for us as God's people, as brothers and sisters in Christ. As believers unite in Christ, we're filled with the Holy Spirit, God's gift to us. And that flows down as precious oil, as the rich dew upon the Hermon. It flows down and it flows out. And where there is unity, the blessing begins to spread. We're thinking about revival. We're thinking about the blessing of God spreading out to those that are round about and how we crave that blessing in our hearts, how we need to be united together so that God's blessing may flow through us and flow out of us and flow to the countryside round about. May God... Write his word upon her hearts uh, for his name's sake. Well, let's just unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer. And uh, we ask you, please, to uh, pray for our sister Maureen again. Do remember Maureen and uh, pray for God's help and blessing upon her and that God will give her strength there in the hospital bed and that she might... Uh, no recovery. So please do remember Sister Maureen. Do remember the meeting on the Lord's Day. Pray that God's Word will have free course and that there might be signs following the preaching of the Word and pray that God will continue to bless, even bring folks in on the Lord's Day coming. And then uh, on Monday in the uh, House of Commons, uh, there's a debate in a petition that has been brought by Stella Creasy, MP. Now, Stella Creasy is the MP that was responsible for foisting abortion on Northern Ireland, and she's at her work again. And the government now is um, proposing a new bill of rights to um, uh, supersede the old Human Rights Act. And what she wants to do is to insert abortion as a human right in the bill of rights and if she does that it will make uh, England Wales to have we at the moment have the most liberal abortion law in Europe but that will supersede it it'll be even worse it'll mean abortion is a human right for any reason for at any time and it'll make uh, England Wales to have the most liberal abortion regime I think probably in the world so we need to pray that God would overrule in all of these things and defeat all of these plans and purposes. The government doesn't really want this to be put in, uh, in into the Bill of Rights, but there's always a danger with these things. So please pray that God will overrule uh, on this matter. So let's just unite together, please, at the throne of grace in prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we do come to thee in our Savior's name. We thank thee for this wonderful picture of the dew and the oil and the ointment running down and running uh, over the garments of the high priest and running down the length of Israel as the Jews uh, flowed into the river system of the promised land. Know, God, how we pray that we might have that unity that is from above, Lord, that we might have the blessing of the Holy Spirit that is from above. Lord oh, that the blessings would flow out even in these days, and that thou wouldst meet with us. Lord, do bless us. We do pray for our sister Maureen again. We'd ask thee that thy hand would be upon her, and that thou would strengthen her and give her help in these days. And Lord, that even in the incoming days that uh, she will begin to gain strength and that thou wouldst begin to undertake for all her needs. We thank thee that we can bring all of her needs to thee at the throne of heavenly grace in prayer. And Lord, we do ask thee even for all of these things that we have mentioned and uh, for this awful desire that there is for the extension of abortion. O God, we pray that thou must have mercy in our land and that thou must overrule and thwart every effort that has been made. O God, look, we look to thee and we just bring our needs to the throne of grace where Jesus answers prayer. Have mercy, look down upon us and bless us as we wait upon thee. For it's in Jesus' precious name, and we'd ask these things. Amen.